0: Hello everyone, and welcome to a GamePad panel. My name is Nigel, I'm the co-founder of MyMada, and organizer of the GamePad online event. And I'm here with some talented video game professionals Discussing Even important topics in video games. Uh, So as you as you know, we do with Gamepad, we talk to video game professionals to get an idea of their journey, how they got to where they are and the kind of work that they do. Uh, We also want to give some insight into the future of the industry and the culture in general for those who are interested in being a part of it. And just generally to get you thinking about video games, how they're made. Uh, So before we dive into the uh, the panel topic for today, let me introduce the other boxes that I have here. Um, so I have no idea what order uh, you are all in as people are watching, but on my list, I've got first uh, gaming Bible journalist Imogen Meller. Welcome Imogen.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. I was surprised I was first. I thought it was Annie first for me. Oh is it? Yeah. Okay. I going to, I have to I
0: should, I should have matched that up with uh <laughs> with the boxes. So we're going in like a uh, random order. So I think uh next Kwang uh founder of the indie studio Sobi Tech uh Kwang the going. I think he's to my right. Where where are you in the, in this thing?
2: Uh on my screen I'm on the, I'm in the bottom right of my screen.
0: Okay. alright cool. So, I think it is uh matching fair. up. Then that yeah, means that means in the top left we have creative director at Perpetual Games, Annie Gudeva. Annie, welcome.
3: Hi, I, I'm still getting used to hearing that. Imposter syndrome is not a merciful master.
0: Oh wow, we could have a whole panel about about that. I could, yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but you are definitely you are definitely creative director uh, and well earned. Uh, I'm sure so. As always, we are at MyMatter on Twitter and at MyMatterTees on Instagram. So we're going to get into the first part of this three-part discussion panel. So for part one, we're going to talk about, well, the general discussion, I should probably introduce that uh, first, is game design. Are games too big to fail question mark and that question mark is important because that's what we're going to explore today so what we want to talk about is this idea of video games being being pretty big right now but are they too big how big does a game need to be to be considered next gen now that we are in a new generation of consoles and importantly how do we manage expectations from a game developer perspective uh, and a media and fan perspective to ensure smoother game launches all around. So I wanna first talk about how we got here. And uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Cyberpunk, so this this was, if you're thinking like, is this because of Cyberpunk, yes it is, um, but we're going to talk about Cyberpunk a bit, we're going to use that as a, a launch pad to the wider discussion. So I'm going to set a bit of context for everyone, uh, go into the history of some open world games and uh, AAA games as well. So after seeing the release of uh, Cyberpunk, it got me thinking about open world games and their appeal, because right now it seems like nearly every AAA game you see is set with within an open world, and we've come to expect that. Uh, so to think about an open world game you kind of think about freedom so that sense that within the game you can go wherever you want you can do anything at any time and just move freely through the space that the developer and designers have set before you. So this all started in the 80s with games like Elite uh, the influential role-playing game Ultima uh, and then we see Nintendo enter The space with the Legends of Zelda, which let you complete objectives in any order and freely explore the game world. Uh, Over in the less family-friendly arena, we have Grand Theft Auto. So some of you watching this right now might not know that uh, GTA started in 2D space. Um, I probably just blew a few minds over there, I'll just give you a moment. But yeah, it started in 2D in the 90s, it eventually moved to 3D, and other games like that were inspired by it, like Urban Chaos, which I remember playing on PC, and Driver. So by the late 1990s, you have this idea of video games really getting uh, very ambitious and approaching the type of ambition seen in Hollywood. So into the new millennia, we have Shenmue, and GTA 3, which was the first 3D GTA uh, made by uh, DMA, who were then renamed Rockstar North, and the rest is history, so they say. Uh, Then that followed with uh, Vice City, San Andreas. So because of the success of GTA, both financially and critically, it kind of dictated the design of games that followed. So people might remember Mafia and The Getaway, and then it just went crazy with games like Saints Row, Crackdown, and Just Cause, which took the open world thing into a whole nother uh, realm of uh, just insanity. Uh, so today we we'll see games like Morrowind, uh, then Skyrim, Fallout series, even Assassin's Creed, which started off fairly open world, has just gone complete uh, open world. And let's not forget Minecraft, because I feel if I do, there'll be angry people uh, at me, which is a relatively new game. But in a sense of throwback to the old days of open world uh, games, or so something that is completely open-ended with no storyline or even missions. So that's a bit of the context. And I wanted to start with Annie. And as you are a creative director and someone involved in the design of games and managing a team to make games, what do you think is the appeal of open world games from a games designer uh, perspective?
3: This is this is actually quite sweet if you think about it. The open world games actually the very first ones that all of us played were, you know, outside of our houses on the street with a bunch of friends coming up with our own adventures. Um so there is like something about open world that very much appeals to, you know, like the child in all of us and the the sense of freedom that you can you know create your own adventure so it's a it's a it's a very human appeal that open world games have Um, it's also like for game designers as well because like most game designers are very playful people in, in in nature there is like there is this you know drive to give people like not just one way to have fun but to give people almost like give them toys and let people create their own fun because like my idea for fun might be very different to someone else's, but you can see that like you can give two different like cubes to to kids that come up with completely different games. So there is like just something very, very human about open world games that, that has like charmed game designers even before video games were a thing. You know, if you look back historically, there was like those books that you can open at different pages. Um, and so many other like formats that have existed for video games that of course like that drive and, and want will transfer to video games. So it's 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 very, very human as a format really.
0: I never thought of that. You you went like low tech on that, but that's a good yeah. I never thought of that that like, just naturally wanting to go out and explore and bring in that into a games world. Yeah. Does anyone have any kind of highlights in terms of open world games or lowlights? um like what kind of favorite open world games are for you
1: i am um, for me skyrim was sort of the big game so i mean skyrim came out in 2011 i think was it 2011 something like that and yes, so yes he says checking his notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh skyrim was it came out when i was uh early teens and it was sort of the game that I like, I, I put a lot of hours in, and it, it expanded my mind in terms of what can be possible in a game. It really, I, I credit that and a few other games to thing like, like channel me down into wanting to be in games as a career. Because with Skyrim, it was, I could have a conversation and I could go anywhere. And like, uh, spoilers if you've not played Skyrim. Uh, at the very beginning, you basically like escape a dragon and they just say, okay, well, I'm just gonna go this way. You meet me there when you can. And you're literally just like dropped in the map. And there's just each way you look, there are fields uh, and like trees and like animals and you could just do anything you want to. And that was the first time I really like, uh, my mind expanded to, oh my gosh, this is a game. I can do any of this. But I realized that a lot of people don't like Skyrim. It is janky. It is a little bit older now, and a lot of people think that Oblivion, Morrowind were better games. But you know, Skyrim has a special place in my heart.
0: How about you, Quang?
1: I think the
2: first experience of of an open world game would be something like Sim City uh, and building your own city in any way you wanted. You had some money to build your city. You decided where to put the houses, where to put the factories. I think that's like 1989 or something like that. So that's going way back. But as a programmer. The open world for me is making games. Now that's the game for me. I make games, so having a programming language to make games in, I get to build whatever I want, and it's that's the true, that's like the the purest form of an open world. I can build it however I want to. Yeah, Uh, I think um, and he's correct in saying when we were kids, we would go out and play, and we made our own worlds in our minds with our friends, with what we had around them, and and that's a wonderful uh, analogy of open world that's great.
0: You know one that stands out for me, I did mention the original GTA. Um I have enjoyed the GTA series but uh, I was remember the first GTA for the game that made me make the worst video game pre- um prediction ever because uh, I remember saying very clearly the move from 2D to 3D would not work and why would they do this? I I was <laughs> so adamant. I was like you've made two games, two really good games in 2D. What are you doing? And I was, i could not be more wrong. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed that game, but also always remember like that terrible, terrible prediction uh, for an open world game.
2: To be honest, like back then in the early nineties, late two thousands, the transition from two D to three D was terrible. That's what I'm saying. See, so many great franchises, tran- franchises that were two D moving to three D was a really bad move for them. Um, but you're right GTA did it,
0: did, it, did it well it seemed like a sensible thing to say at the time mm. that's
2: all
1: I'm yeah. saying yeah Pac-Man stay in your lane what? don't go 3D yeah. <laughs>
3: stop <laughs> I genuinely think it was the soundtrack that made it for me in, in in GTA 3 it was just perfect
0: yeah yeah that is I would agree with that they've always had like great soundtracks so We are going to go to the Cyberpunk portion of uh, this panel and like I said we're going to talk about the game as a jumping off for different aspects of the discussion uh, over this panel. So I think by now we kind of are aware that Cyberpunk 2077 after much, much um, hype had a rocky launch to say the least. It was so rocky that it made mainstream news which is always a bad, well... It's usually a good sign. In this case, I think it's a <laughs> a sign of how bad things got uh, when you see the BBC kind of uh, taking their shots as well. So it came out after, I think, seven, eight years of development. It was riddled with bugs, which in itself is not unusual for open world games. And I think the key thing is that it had little resemblance to what had been promised by developers um, and even some reviewers who had seen early versions of the game. So it got so bad, CD Projekt Red were forced to offer refunds. Uh, I think the game was pulled from the PlayStation uh, store. And I saw a story that mentioned uh, in Bloomberg that a developer mentioned that developing the game was like trying to drive a train while the tracks were being laid in front of you at the same time. And that staff were actually expecting the game to be to be ready by 2022 so that kind of you know set the stage so yeah to the point of this panel then we have this like massive promise and that set the expectation of this game that's going to move the genre forward especially considering the previous game from cd project red the witcher 3 which had you know all the acclaim uh deservedly so imogen you've been on our podcast before and i know you have praised the witcher so, having played The Witcher, enjoyed it. What were your expectations for Cyberpunk?
1: Oof. So, I played The Witcher not that long before I played Cyberpunk, or before Cyberpunk came out. Sorry, I was sort of late on that on on that one. Um, and I played I played The Witcher three in two thousand twenty, uh, which is a little after release. Um, when a lot of stuff would be all the DLC had been released, and people knew knew the game, and I'd all been told that this game was fantastic. Sort of didn't believe it played it myself and it's one of my favorite games now it's phenomenal I, I i adore the game i love the storytelling i love the characters i love the world if i talk about games being too big i think it doesn't do that at all every little area that you like touch in the witcher seems to have a little bit of essence like a little bit of story a little bit of something to do um that i think that other open world games have lost i think so my expectations for cypunk were uh, sort of minimal actually um, on the basis that as you, didn't you see say Keanu Reeves then, <laughs> is, you, you mentioned right that it was seven eight years of development but it's not it wasn't really seven years seven eight years of development what people thought was seven eight years of constant development and like a big team working on it was actually mm. a, like less years than that and it had a produ- a pre-production team working on it sort of like a small team working on it for a couple of those years at least and it made and and stuff like that uh, the the they were working on this for almost 10 years mentality and then this is what came out misdirects what people expected of it and so th- as as someone who's working on the journalist side that was stuff that we had to like take into consideration in terms of our expectations of what was coming out versus what people were saying, like, Oh, it's been almost 10 years. Wow. This is, is going to be like 10 years of like heavy work going into this game. It wasn't that there wasn't, there was, you know, you know, the expectations people had, were, it was a bit like the, uh, is it No Man's Sky situation all over again. It was exactly like watching that. Uh, I, I was still, Oh gosh, when did No Man's Sky come out? I wasn't, I wasn't in games when No Man's Sky came out. I just watched that. From afar, derail from a safe distance, a safe distance away. <laughs> wasn't using Twitter. Great, but the expectations for my my expectations personally were like this game could be fantastic, but I get the No Man's Sky feeling. This like this scares me. People's expectations of this are so high. I don't think that a game that was supposed to be developed for Xbox One and PS4 is going to look like this there is no way it can look like this with the, with the trailers and it's no way that it has all of this potential packed into it in the time that it's actually been developed in you know there's just there is no way um and glad to say i was absolutely correct uh, <laughs> <laughs> on that one
0: <laughs> so how did you feel about the the messaging of that like as because you were saying that like, you in what you saw didn't match with like what you might have felt they could actually deliver so I guess you saw you did see some warning signs Uh,
1: I I think I know some developers who were who were worried as well and so that that really sort of like turned me on to the fact that this is uh, like I'm a little bit worried because other developers were like I don't know how they're going to pull this off um who'd be working professionally for years and they were like I I don't like they, they could do this but it doesn't the the delays uh what's going on and 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 rumors from what we what we hear scary it's scary to think that this might not be the game that it's it's supposed to be and the thing is is that it's not just the messaging that cdpr put out it's also what people picked up on and so someone can say oh well you're like you're going to really enjoy the story and then someone hears that and it sort of like echoes and gets bigger of this game is going to be the best. Uh, like the story is going to be better than The Witcher 3. And like you whisper something and it amplifies every time it like it goes from outlet to outlet, Twitter to Facebook, uh, Facebook to people's ears, people telling each other, like, oh, I hear it's going to be. And it's like it's this it's this echo effect that was really impact i mean i mean people didn't expect the witcher 3 to be as phenomenal as it was i don't think from from what i hear like the witcher 3 just like was was sort of a shock in just how phenomenal it was and then that shock of oh my gosh this is so phenomenal also helped amplify it was like a megaphone right. of expectations you know because surely they can do it again yeah surely they, they can, can shock yeah, us all yeah, is, how good yeah. this is going to be again and mm. no uh <laughs> not really
0: annie you've played it Tell us what you played it on first, because uh, I think the people need to Why know. Why are you making <laughs> me say
3: that in public? <laughs> I played it on Stadia.
0: <laughs> so we found the one person who has played it on Stadia. But to be fair, when all this was happening, all the Fallout was happening, one of the, the threads that I did hear is that it runs okay on Stadia of all the platforms. So what was your experience of playing the game?
3: Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> For me, it was. Uh, I mean,. There was something very cool about starting the game on my PC and then going to bed and just continuing playing it in bed on my phone. Like that was cool. And I, I can't, you know, I can't deny that. I, I had a lot of issues, especially since my internet connection is not great. So I like, I had very severe issues with mid lag in particular, and that's when I decided to get a refund on the game and and wait until twenty twenty two for like a stable PC build. But honestly, yeah, if if the Stadia thing actually works, it's really really fun. So I can't I can't say anything bad about it.
0: So like for the game makers here, so uh, Annie and Quang, one of the things that I'm aware of, like I used to be a software engineer, not in games, but I kind of have some understanding of the process. And one of the things I know that happens is this idea of feature creep, uh, especially for a game, even if not in constant sort of single state like development for the whole of those eight years or whatever it was, it was being worked on in some form. And especially when developing across generations, even though that came later uh, in the cycle. So, what role do you think Feature Creep played in the way the game kind of uh, eventually came out?
2: I think actually, when it was announced, it was announced as this wonderful open world game with all these wonderful things right from the get go. So, I think from the start they had a, a very grand vision of what the game would, what what they wanted the game to be. And the time they had to work on it, obviously, be it a full team or not a full team working on different stages of the game, it seems like they were still quite far from reaching that initial goal. So um, with regards to feature group, as big as the game is already, adding more features to that takes the goalposts even further away from them. And they they, literally have struggled to reach their initial statement as it is um i'm sure things have changed long you know a game that's in production for that long things will change uh, from the platform to what's possible through the tech through um, advancements here and there but they struggle they literally have struggled to to deliver the game that they initially conceived so more features that I, I, I don't even know where you go with that
3: it's it's very difficult because like being on the other side of things like feature creep doesn't happen because like someone is being bad or incompetent it's just people being very excited to do something really really cool and i i find like especially fans often forget that and forget that like studios like the games industry in particular is one of those that's filled with people that want to be in games because they're in love in games you know compared to industries so it's it's one of those things that we need to be a little bit more gentle towards and and understand that, that that's happening because people are really really excited to make a really really cool game for the fans um and the other side of feature creep as well is like no one wants to be the person in the room that starts saying like no no we can't make it no no one wants to be that person so there is obviously ways to manage that but fundamentally we should try to be a little bit more kinder towards game devs <laughs> please
0: yeah no i agree with that i think in in all this it was it's important to remember that yeah no one sets out to make a bad game um so and, and that's certainly what they not what they uh set out to do but uh yeah, it's like i said um i've been in Sort of that kind of situation where you just add features, and then the sort of uh, the boss will come in and it's like, "Oh, the client has added uh, asked for this. We're going to add this thing in now. So you got to add that now." So Uh, there you go.
2: The number of times I've talked to someone and they've gone, "Oh, this would be really cool if you had this in your game," and you think, "Yes, yeah, no, that would be cool. Um, Let's see what we can do about that." And then, yeah, it's very easy for features to slip in and just run away from you. And you're stuck to a schedule. You've got a certain budget to deal with. You've got a marketing budget that you've put into place. You've paid for marketing time slots, be it on TV or on billboards and things like that. So you've got a schedule to keep to. And ideally, it's your producer to whose job is to keep you on track and keep those features at bay, as it were, or keep them for the next update or for the next version. And it comes down to managing the team correctly and getting the game out on time which is not easy to say the least
0: and so my last uh cyberpunk question for this uh segment is that speaking of time it was delayed a couple times or three times two times i'm gonna go say two times in 2020 before it did come out so when it did come out you know people then say the game should have been delayed i wonder and we'll talk about this a bit more in terms of fan expectations i wonder if fans would have even allowed for like another year of development? What do you think?
1: I think no. knowing <laughs> knowing what happened, like it's sort of hindsight. It's twenty twenty. You know, um, it's it's the knowing what ha- would have happened. If you ask those fans who are the most demanding now, they would say yes. If you ask them then, they would say no. You know, it's it's the it's the when you are asking these people and the the thing is is that even if they did delay it it would take a hit obviously to um stockholders expectations i mean there's like there's a lot of financial a lot of financial weight that comes with delaying something that for an extra year however yeah i i i i totally think they should have done that I, i i think they should have and that's coming from someone who's not a developer i like i i wish they had because i do think that as, as far as I know, everyone who talks about it is like the bones of this game are really good. It's just that there is it's basically like completely like it's it's like clothes hanging off a skeleton in terms of like <laughs> the bones are great. And they've dressed good it, bones. but there yes. needs to be something else like that is like interconnecting it to make it the game that it should have been, you know. But yeah, people would say, yeah, totally now. But like back then they would have been. Upset, but they also would have bought the game almost definitely. You know, mm. yeah, I, I think
2: you're right. Like, obviously, with hindsight, it makes sense that game need, needed to be delayed. But when you delay a game for a certain amount of time, people get obviously very antsy about it, and then they want their game. And then when you keep delaying the game, like as a developer, I, I would happily delay every single game I make to bring it to a certain standard because it's your reputation, it's your game. I think Miyamoto says it a, a Bad game released early is always bad. Whereas uh, a bad game game can come good if you you know work on it longer. So yes, in hindsight it makes sense to do that. But as I was saying earlier about um marketing windows and stuff, mm. they've paid tons of money to to hype the game for this release window, and if you don't release that time, the company, the publishers, the investors get a huge hit financially. Mm. And then we talk about how much games costs and if you delay it by another year, does the cost of the game actually cover the, 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 the year's delay? Mm. Poss- possibly not.
0: That's interesting. All right, so, yeah, we're going to get all, into all of that in part two of our panel. We're going to talk about more about the fan uh, media expectations, the balance between quality and quantity in video games. That's coming in part two later in the live stream. Let us know what you think in the chat or in our Discord, especially if you've played Cyberpunk, especially if you play Cyberpunk on... Stadia Um, we have a friend for you Um, so let us know Uh, and also the extended version of this panel will be released on the MyMatter YouTube after the event so we will see you in just a bit.